Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner and 2014, this being our first podcast of the year. This is Sarah in Portland. And yep, Happy New Year to all you Mother Runners. This is Dimity in Denver. So not to start on kind of a um, sour note or a grim note, but something happened, I hear, to one of your uh, runners from your posse last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't, I kind of debated about talking about this. Basically, one of the women that I run with a lot got hit by a car last week when she was running. And and I'm debating about talking about this because, first of all, I don't want to scare people. And secondly, I wasn't there. So I don't want to be like a rubbernecker being like, and then this one time, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, I, I kind of feel like I wasn't, um, because I wasn't personally there. I shouldn't talk about it, but there were a couple things that, um, well, well, wait before now we're all hanging, you know, on a thread. So tell us she's okay. Yes, she is. Okay. I mean, so, so long story short is, um, one route that we run a lot happens to go, um, near freeway over, like getting on a freeway and getting off the ramps, you know, Mm -hmm, um, you, mm -hmm. you, you walk do the crosswalks along them and, Mm -hmm. um, and you're not expecting to see runners there at, you know, six in the morning. Um, and so she got hit by a car that was taking a left turn. Um, she was fourth in a line of four runners. So, you know, you're not expecting a runner and you're not expecting, you know, a group of four runners, you know, with maybe somebody who's lagging a little bit behind. Um, and, um, and she was hit, um, and she like, the way that it's been described to me, it was like the best way to be hit by a car, which I know is like, you know, a I don't bit of an oxymoron. Yes, huh? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, she, she was knocked down. She got a concussion. She had to have mm-hmm. some stitches in her head. Um, she's very bruised on the one side of her body that she fell on, but mm-hmm. you know, she didn't break any bones. Um, her dog, she was with her dog. The dog is fine. But um, so a couple of things. I mean, they had two safety vests on between the four of them. So there weren't mm-hmm. four. They all had headlamps on. I mean, so it's a little bit of just driver error and just human error, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Let me ask you this. They were, the driver was turning left. Were they coming from the driver's left or were they coming from the driver's right? They were coming from the driver's left. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it should have been the direction that the driver turned and looked first and then turned to the, and then looked back again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Again, it could have been any of us. I mean, it could have been me, mm-hmm. you know, you just never, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's just, I mean, car accidents happen and runners get mm-hmm. hit. Um, but, you know, of course now we're all just like super, super careful, um, out running. I went with mm-hmm. a couple of the women, um, that there were four of them, like I said, that day. And I ran with them, two of them yesterday and, and they were understandably anxious. And, um, and, you know, we were definitely like, okay, we are stopping at this light. We are waiting until we get the little white guy that says we can go, even though, you know, it's five 30 in the morning and the traffic is very light. Um, you know, and we're, Wait, is there, sorry to interrupt, keep interrupting you, but yeah. was there a light, is there a light at this yes, intersection or is it? They, oh, they had wow. the white guy. I mean, they oh, did not boy. cross against the light, but again, so, you're turning left and he doesn't have a, he doesn't have the green arrow. So, you know, he's, he's looking for cars, but he's not necessarily looking for people, mm-hmm. you know? And again, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not a very pedestrian heavy part of town. And it's like, I said, mm-hmm. it's right off a of freeway. So you don't expect to see runners there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so anyway, so she gets hit, they don't move her, people stop, help all that. Um, but none of them, there were four of them and none of them had a phone on them. Oh, wow. So the, um, I think the fire department, someone in the fire department kind of gave them a hard time for not carrying a phone with them because one of them took her dog, like ran back to the car. They were at the end of their run. Um, they ran back, she ran back to her car and got, went to get her husband, the woman who got hit's husband, because we all live in a very, you know, close by neighborhood. Um, but, but nobody had a phone. And so that was, you know, that's one way, especially if she would have been hurt very seriously, you know, and mm-hmm. time would have been mm-hmm. of the essence. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, so that's, that's a cautionary thing. I mean, there are two things, you know, just check and double check and double check before you cross a road and, mm-hmm. and carry your phone if that's, if that's an option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say that, so Molly and I, 
think I was talking about last week. Oh, yeah, the podcast that we record last week probably wasn't the one that ran la- right before this one. But anyway, that we ended up not being able to run in the morning because of frozen fog. And so we ran at four in the afternoon, which we just never do. And boy, what a different experience it is to have that many more cars around. And it just seemed like there's a different level of attention being paid by the drivers that it's like these people are have been at work or running errands or they have you know like a bunch of passengers in the car that are screaming at them and it's just they don't seem as attentive as morning drivers really oh that's interesting yeah kind of at the end of the day yeah yeah Yeah, it's just it's i don't know and just really it was i mean there's this one we came to this one there's this road here in town called sandy and usually in the morning if it's clear we will jaywalk for lack of a better term we'll go at you know not wait till we get to a zebra crossing the you know white stripes on the line on the road and when we were coming back from the end of the run i'm like hey mom let's make sure we get down to that light and make sure we're going in the crosswalk And it just, you know, but still it was, like you said, it was paying attention to be like, oh, does this driver who's turning right, do they see me? You know, okay, yes, I have, you know, shown my little knuckle lights in their windshield and and it seems like we've had a connection there. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are times when I have, you know, thrown up my arms and been like, do you see me? You know, especially Mm -hmm. during the day. I mean, when it's dark, it's harder to do that. They don't, you know, they don't see Mm -hmm. you as well. But I mean, you know, the the moral of any story when it comes to cars and running is the car is always going to win. So Mm -hmm. it's not worth you know, playing chicken just to keep, so you don't want to, because you don't want to turn off your GPS or you don't, you mm-hmm. know, you, you got to get home, you know, and you feel like, you know, cutting across the street is going to make you that much faster. Like it just isn't worth it. So yeah, 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 yeah most definitely. But so, meanwhile, so I've got the cautionary tale and you've got the inspiring tale. You, you ran a wicked blazing half marathon, didn't you? <laughs> I, it doesn't quite qualify as that, but I, I am very <laughs> proud. It was the fastest half marathon that I've run in three and a half years. That's great. Well, so how fast did you run? Cut to the chase. She was fine. And you ran how fast? (laughs) I ran a 15312. 15312. Nice, SBS. I'm glad you you could represent under the 155 (laughs) spectrum because I'm not sure I could. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so I jumped into that, you know, I was debating it last week again when we were recording the podcast and and so um, I realized it's not an option for everybody. I did pull a few strings to get into a race that was sold out, but it was mighty fun just deciding on Thursday. I looked at the weather forecast and and I had done uh, that tempo, uh, six miles at tempo on Wednesday afternoon and they'd, I'd done well at them and I felt good and I thought, yep, that's it. I've heard good things about this race. I'm doing it. And so, but That's it was how funny the stars because... live. Like, like you know, if Britney Spears wants to get into a race, she just calls her agent, and she can be in the New York City Marathon like that. That's you know, yeah. it's our little yeah. glimpse of you know. Yes. Did, 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 was anyone there from Us Weekly? Any paparazzi to shoot you? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I said, please, please, no photos, no yep. photos. Exactly. Uh, so, although I did have a mighty fine outfit on, so it's it was the uh, foot traffic holiday half, and. You know, usually my MO would be, oh, just, you know, show up in Saucony gear, uh, represent our partner and, and look, you know, make sure I'm coordinated well. Yeah. Yes. So, but I thought, "Mm, nope, I hear people wear costumes to this. So I, um, Molly last year had run this race and she'd made little elf ears and, um, she had a couple little other accessories. So like stripes, kind of candy cane striped socks. Tried it on and boy, I look so bad in a headband. Um, so that so that the ears <laughs> instead of that, it was just like I'll oh, look at Sarah. out the window. <laughs> yeah, look at Sarah's really bad hair. So there's this place in town called Scrap that has all sorts of kind of um, reuse, repurpose, um, leftover art supplies, and oh, everything from fabric scraps to old binders and I don't know phone cord and everything. I mean, it's just things from old Sounds, offices and and very so Portland. very Portland. <laughs> It most certainly is. And Can I have donated to it before we throw it. Can we use it? <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, because I mean, they will take everything. I mean, they take, you know, uh, soda pop lids and, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what all there is there. But so, um, you know, popsicle sticks. And so it's things can left use, over from. Can you use like tampons or pads in the mix? Or... <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Just kidding. I, I had to think... throw that in because you take everything. I'm like, what is the grossest thing you would never want to touch? That right there. <laughs> I'll have to ask Scrap. Um, <laughs> you've been watching Orange is the New Black, haven't you? And that tampon, used tampon sandwich that they made. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, wait, no, back to, what, let's go back to the, the okay. holiday. Oh, let's go back to Scrap. Okay, so that, so um, 
and it's mainly for crafters, people making stuff. So that's kind of the audience they're aiming toward. And so I um, take Phoebe over there because my kids love scrap. And so I mainly went in there thinking, oh, I bet I can find some little plastic, you know, holiday decorations. So I got a sprig of plastic holly and then a plastic white poinsettia. And then I thought, okay, this is great. Y'all pin the pin one thing on my hat, pin the other thing on my vest. And I was about to go to check out and there hanging and shining to me like a beacon was this, um, uh, quilted, uh, not felt, uh, quilted flannel, uh, Christmas tree that was, yes, that was as almost exactly the same length as my vest. And so, you know, shaped like a triangle with a um, red, red and green and white. Like a tree is like a tree of shapes. Yes, it was. It was, it was shaped like a Christmas it tree. Shape, it wasn't elliptical. <laughs> no, it was not. It was not a parallelogram. And so, it, and it cost 75 cents. Oh, How Sarah. could I say no to it? <laughs> so, um, so I, I took it home and then I was all set to um, sew these onto my hat and my Saucony vest. And so I'm sitting there with my little um, sewing kit that I had to dig up that I haven't used in years. And I thought, oh, I'll just pin it in place before I sew it. And then I'm like, pin it in place. That's brilliant. I'll just pin it on. (laughs) So so I pinned it on the back of my vest and pinned the holly on my hat and the poinsettia on like a corsage. And oh my goodness, I I was in the bedroom and uh, Jack was watching a football game and I would stand up after I'd done each thing. I'm like, look, look. He's like, you look so happy. And I was like, I am happy. <laughs> so I, I just came out of poinsettia. <laughs> and I was just, I was just, just elated. I was so excited to do all that and to go see what I was capable of because Molly and I have been following a plan that has brought us back to the track. And she said to me at one point, she said, you know, Sarah, I think you have newfound speed. And, and she said, she thinks she's holding me back a little bit. And it really stuck with me. And, then, you know, you and I have talked about running Tinkerbell together and I, you know, trying to bust a move at Tinkerbell is not the right thing for us in terms of taking pictures. And it's, um, you know, it's a fairly crowded race, so not the best to set a PR at. So um, our buddy Kristen, who will be with us at Tinkerbell, she said, Sarah, hear me out on this one, but I think you should do the holiday half. Yeah, you know so, what? And I'm going to interrupt you here because we've heard the story, Grandma. Okay. 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 <laughs> so I'm just yes. saying, heard on the podcast. Yeah. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. Okay, that's good. No, that's good. That's good. So anyway, so race day. Then it was great racing weather. It was um, chilly, but not too cold, and it was completely overcast and um, slightly damp. And I had a friend who was um, womaning the aid station. It was an out and back course. And so it was about mile two and a quarter. But then on the way back, it was almost at mile 11. So I'd given her a bottle with noon in it. And so I saw her name, Sharon, and I saw her on the way out. And I'm like, Sharon, I'll get the bottle on the way back. So um, she handed it off. She remembered to yell, go, champy, champy, go at me. Wow. It was just, this it was like all the, the perfect storm of a half marathon. That's awesome. It was. It was. And Molly um, drove me and some other mother runners there. And then she was along the race course. So I threw off my gloves at her and because uh, my hands got too hot. And it was just, it was awesome. And I got to say that one final thing is that there are always points in a race prior to this one that I have thought, I can just back off like that who, you know, no one really cares what my time is. Like, I'm just going to give up for a little while. And this was the one race that I kept on being like, nope, going to keep that foot on the accelerator. Going to keep that. I guess. OK, when I PR'd uh, at the marathon um, because there was, you know, my coach was right next to me. I didn't I didn't do it. But this was the one race that I really did myself that I thought, Mm-mm, nope, not backing off, not giving up, just giving, pouring it on, pouring it on, pouring it on. And um, I felt really, really proud about that. And and right. when I went, yeah, yeah. So um, and it was it was just. And then you know, I got my had Molly take pictures of me with elves afterwards, and Santa, and a you know woman with a little light up skirt. It was just it was a lot of fun. That's so. great. Well, congratulations. Yes. That's that's great. Well, and, because, and that's a great way to segue into our guest for today, who is going to lead us into the new year. Because you had a great race, and um, and this woman, um, Brianna Bamer, uh, actually had brought me to my best race ever, which was my Ironman. And um, so Brianna is a former collegiate runner, a division one collegiate runner and a top triathlete. I think she got 
third in the world championships in her age group for 70.3. She definitely was on the podium. Um, and I should know exactly what she did, but I don't. Uh, so she's just a very, very talented athlete, but more importantly, she's a very skilled and intelligent coach. And we thought that her perspective today would be great. Um, as we look at the year 12 months laying in front of us. Miss Brianna, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, as long as you don't tell any bad stories about me, I bet, I bet there's, there's no bad stories to tell about. Darren. There is. Like, there, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I could run for I could run for president of the United States right now. There's no exactly. dirt on me. You're, <laughs> You're Teflon, babe. Nothing sticks to you. <laughs> so, um, so we actually have you on to not to talk about me, but to talk about planning. Uh, a race calendar for 2014. We get a lot of questions about how how people should space out races and how they can kind of make their goals, um, space out their goals to make sure that they can come close to achieving them. And and you've been a coach for so long that I thought that, um, or we thought that you would be a great guest. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great topic. So when you are planning, like if you're looking at a race calendar, you know, trying to lay it out, you know, how do you plan it? How do you make time you have enough time for, you know, performance and recovery and enjoyment. Well, I mean, there's actually, a, there's a lot that goes into, at least, you know, from a coaching perspective, planning a season, but even if you're just kind of looking at it yourself, I think there's a lot of things that people forget to think about before even picking races and deciding, you know, what am I going to do and what, what are my goals? And I think some of those just have to do with, you know, what is my life stress right now and all the other responsibilities I have and, you know, how am I going to fit the races into that? And so make, you know, keeping that as one of the priorities, um, you know, also thinking about the races you want to do, how difficult are the races and where are they, you know, because mm -hmm. traveling to a race is a stress, you know, there's something that goes into just the whole process of getting there. Um, but also how difficult is that race? So, you know, in terms of when am I going to do another race, if I'm doing this Epic race, that's super difficult and, um, challenging, you know, I'm, I'm going to want to plan accordingly as to what races I'm doing before and potentially after such a difficult race. There's um, no magic number as to how many races you should do in a year. Right. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a super firm believer that every athlete's different. Um, I do think there's some kind of things to consider that in general, it's harder to race a lot. You know, I mean, young kids and younger athletes can race a lot more and I'm, you know, definitely more, lenient in terms of how many races a younger athlete can do versus an older athlete. Um, as you get older, like I, I kind of feel like, you know, there's 12 months out of the year. And of those 12 months, if you're racing much more than six times, that's, that's a lot. I mean, you look at the best athletes in the world and I mean, we're talking endurance athletes, right? You know, you look at like a Kara Goucher or something like that. They only race a handful of times, you know, their big races are a couple marathons and then they have maybe a couple other races that they do in prep. Um, but they're not racing a ton, you know, cause it just takes a lot out of your body. So, I mean, there's not a golden standard, but I definitely think once you're getting over that six number, you know, when you're talking endurance races, that's a lot of stress on the body. Cause again, you're traveling potentially to the race and you're trying to put out a max effort and there's lots of people who like to do more than that. And they'll say, Oh no, they're training races. And if you can actually make a race, a training race, then by all means, but most people have a really hard time going to a race and not actually racing because racing is a different stress to the body. When you're putting yourself to the max, there's definitely recovery that's needed for that versus a training day, you know, a training day, definitely you can do that more often, but I, I personally think it's really hard for people to, to go to a race and not race. So well, that's, and that's, and actually, let me do one follow-up question then. I promise I'll let you in, Sarah. But, um, I mean, there is a big difference between running and racing. I want you to talk a little bit about that because, I mean, we have a lot of women who, you know, might run, like, say, two half marathons in a month or um, or want to do a marathon a month or something like that, you know, which is great. I mean, they get, they're setting some some pretty ambitious goals and getting a little street going and, and, and we definitely applaud that. But there's a, there's a big difference, like you said, between kind of like, covering the miles and emptying your tank. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely, I mean, physiologically, there's a lot of good research on this, but even just knowing, uh, you know, any of us who have raced, it's really hard to bring your a game that many times a year. I mean, to really fully take yourself to the well. And I think it's, 
you know, a handful of times that I've ever been personally taken myself truly to the depths of going as fast as I can, you know, because it's just really hard to go out there and truly race and give everything you have. Um, so there's a big difference in, in going out and racing and giving your max effort versus going out and, and having something that's more moderated. You know, certainly there's races where a moderated effort throughout is actually the preferred path to get the best time that you're looking for, you know, in all relationship to everything else that you've done. But um, to, to fully race and put yourself out there, it takes it takes a lot of mental energy and then obviously the physical damage, both you know, just in terms of like the hormones and things that are going on and then the muscle and tissue damage that happens when you truly race, um, is much higher and you can't, I mean, again, that's why you don't see the best athletes. They're not racing, truly racing a marathon every month. I mean, they can, there's no way they could truly bring their A game every single month and PR or have this excellent effort. So, so then where do you stand from going from one training plan to the next? Because it seems like a lot of the women that uh, we're interacting with, they they sort of feel adrift if they don't have a training plan and and have a race out you know set outside for them. So do you think that there should be so for the person who's you know not the Kara Goucher type racer, someone who is doing a race because it's fun, because they want to go with their girlfriends, because you know they want to you know see what they're capable of, but, but maybe not put it all out there on the line. Um, what do you think about just going from you know oh this training plan for this half marathon right into a ten k training plan and then into you know a marathon training plan or whatever? Or do you think you know, how much time should there kind of fallow time should there be between those races yeah. races and training plans? That's a good question. I mean, obviously having, yeah, def- having a goal is a good thing regardless, you know, because it keeps you on track and, um, you know, the training plans, when you're looking at something that's just trying to get you from point A to point B are just a, it's a great way to make sure that when you come to race day, that you're prepared and ready to, to give a, a good effort. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who likes to race throughout the year for fun, um, I don't think you need a whole lot of time in between training plans. It's more, I think, just the mental downtime of having to follow a plan sometimes. It's nice to just mm-hmm. have a break and say, I don't have to do anything today. I can just do what I feel like doing today. Um, right. And that's a personal preference thing. You know, it's like, how much time do you need before you have to get structured again? Um, some mm-hmm. people love structure. And so, you know, much time without structure is just as bad as for somebody who, you know, needs the, you know, the time, downtime. So, um, so there's, I mean, physiologically, there's nothing wrong with necessarily going back to back when, when the objective is more just having fun. But if, if you are trying to PR, you know, in the marathon and then the half marathon, then the 10 K, I mean, you definitely need to give yourself some time in between. I mean, depending on the length of the race, I mean, I look at recovery time, you have to look at, um, the length of the race and, and the difficulty of that race. So you obviously shorter races, you don't need the recovery time is going to be quicker, but when you're looking mm-hmm. at marathons and things like that, you're looking at a much longer recovery time where you're going to need to give yourself some downtime before you would start up another training plan that was truly intensive, you know, and trying to get yourself ready. So there's, I've heard a rule of thumb, um, that it's kind of a, a variation, but you need a day kind of, of recovery, not, not, you know, laying on the couch, but not going all out for every mile you raced. So like after a 10 K it would be about a week. Um, you know, for an Ironman, <laughs> be the rest for of your like life. Three plus months. I'm still recovering, actually. I, I mean, but I mean, I think that there's some truth in that, right? Like kind of a month after, about a month for a marathon. I mean, is that what you subscribe to, or, or do you have a different philosophy? Yeah, I mean, I actually think of it actually instead of miles is actually time because three miles to again, to Kara Goucher is a lot different than three miles to to the mom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the amount of time that they're out racing and putting damage into their body. So, um, I kind of like to look at it as, you know, in terms of time on your feet per se, and how long it takes you to complete these events. Mm. Um, so, you know, just, and just a way of just how long it's going to take the body to recover the same kind of concept. I mean, I just think that sometimes, um, you know, a marathon for the top end athlete, they're going to recover a bit faster probably than your everyday marathoner potentially they're out there longer, um, bodies just going under that stress for that much longer, I think. And, and there's just things that, you know, the damage that's being done maybe at that level, um, just takes a little bit more time, but that's just me. I like to I kind of look to look at the athlete and say, you know, how, how long are these races, how long are they out there exerting themselves? And so hence sure. how much. So then what does your math look like? I take it. It's not a, you know, for every hour you were out there racing, take do you then take a week off or not a week, but you know, kind of a week of easier workouts or what's the formula? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of look at it. Yeah. So like for, for every like hour of racing and then, you know, obviously with five Ks and things like that, then it's, it's totally different. But when you're looking at endurance racing, um, for every hour of like a running race, I kind of look at anywhere from like four, um, 
you know, four days to a week, like four Mm -hmm. to seven days recovery, depending on the athlete. And then, um, if you look at something that's more low key, like a cycling or triathlon, not low key, I don't mean to say that, um, less damage on the body in terms of pounding, then you can take Mm -hmm. that down a little bit. So an hour of cycling of a cycling race versus an hour of a running race, I think is very different to the body. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you could probably take that down by a day versus Mm -hmm. the running. So I kind of look at it as, you know, if there's, if you're looking at endurance races where somebody's out there for an hour or more for every hour of, of hardcore racing, you're probably going to need, um, four to six days of, or seven days, you know, like four, four days to a week of recovery from it. So, mm-hmm. so let's get, get, a, get a mother runner to her race that she's really, she's planned for, she's put her energy towards it. She has, you know, this is, this is her a race this is her key race. How, how do you get the best out of your performance? <laughs> That's not a loaded <laughs> question at all. It take more than an hour to, to answer. But I mean, you know, you were really smart when you were talking to me about, you know, different things that you can control and what in concentrating on your own race and really having a plan going in. I mean, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, obviously your a, like your big day race, um, there's so much that goes into leading up to that day that you can control. You can actually, you know, so Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. Nutrition, like what are you eating? You know, how much, you know, and rest, you know, what, what are you doing in terms of your sleep and preparing yourself just so that your body is ready on that day? Because um, obviously... There's a lot that goes in prior to that, you know, all the training that you did and all the little things throughout all the training. So there's a lot there, obviously, like you said, a loaded question in terms of, did you get all your long workouts in, you know, were you doing good with your therapy? Were you foam rolling? You know, all that kind of stuff. But, um, me, me me all the time. Yes. Right. Right. Every day, five times a day, (laughs) (laughs) every hour on the hour, (laughs) um, but, you know, I mean, cause there's actually some things during the week that, uh, I think people forget about sometimes, but, you know, it's like, you know, just the simple, am I eating well? Am I hydrating? Am I going to bed at a decent hour? Um, you know, am I trying to keep my stress level, you know, around me at a minimum if possible, you know, letting my family know I have this race coming up. If, you know, maybe the husband can help out with some things that normally I have to do, you know, those types of things can actually really help with your a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then on, on the flip side, just making sure you're not all, you're also not doing the classic something different that you haven't done before kind of thing, you know, make sure that you know that all the training that you've done, I mean, Demi, we talked about this, you know, it's that classic haze in the barn. I mean, it is, you've done all the work you've, there's nothing more you can do. Now you just have to let your body just rest and be ready and give yourself all that mental talk, self-talk that you've, that you're ready to go and you've done everything you can do. And now it's just time to have fun, you know? And so you take that pressure away that there's something special you have to do. Cause there really isn't, you know, training 
is, is what gets you to race day. So I always think that, you know, my, my classic saying is that race day is just a glorified training day. It's just a day that people show up and are watching you, um, (laughs) because you've done it every day, (laughs) you know, you've been doing it for months and it's just now a day where there's a clock and there's people cheering, you know, so just do what you've always done and you're going to, you're going to get to the finish line. Perfect. You know, um, and not try to put that extra emphasis. So I think sometimes it's just all the lead up stuff that you can do to just kind of take away the stress and just be cognizant of the little, you know, nutrition hydration, that's going to help you with that with the execution on come game day, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. So, so if we can step back a little bit back to the, you know, planning your 2014. So if people are maybe haven't done a race or maybe just um, a few five K's maybe under their belt, I mean, what do you think about the progression from one race distance to the next one? Like, is it okay to do just one five K before stepping up to a 10 K or one half before making the leap to the marathon? What's your stance on that? It's a good question. Um, the first thing that the, I think anyone needs to ask themselves is more actually, how new are you to the sport of running? Um, mm. because you know, if I've been running for years, but I've just only been doing five K's, then that's different than I've never run before. And my first race is a five K, um, kind of a deal. So it's, it's, that's the first question is, you know, how long have you actually been in the sport or running or doing some sort of athletic um, endeavor. So if it's not running, but you've been doing cycling or something else, you know, what's your level of conditioning leading up mm-hmm. to doing these running races? Um, after that, if you look at the shorter distances, I think 5k and 10k, and you look at the stress on the body and the actual increment of, of time that you're out there, um, jumping from a 5k to a 10k is really not that, that big of a jump. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you start to, when you go 10k to marathon or half marathon, and then certainly half marathon to marathon, you're looking at much bigger incremental jumps. Um, mm-hmm. that's the same thing like with Ironman, you know, I, I think doing an Olympic distance and doing a half Ironman is not such a bad thing as compared to doing a half and doing a full, <laughs> you know I mean? It's just, it's a whole different ball game and everyone knows a marathon, for example, is a whole different ball game. And for somebody who's been doing five K's mostly a half marathon is a pretty big deal. Um, mm-hmm. so you're out there for a long time. So, um, you know, I, if somebody's brand new to the sport and they just started, I definitely recommend having a full year of just doing 5k, 10k or shorter type, maybe 8k races before you jump up. Um, but if you're somebody who's more seasoned athlete, then it's reasonable to maybe get up to that half marathon distance by the end of your season. If you've, if you're following a very good training plan, that's progressing you in time and, and just the pounding on the body. Cause I think injury is actually what I'm more cardiovascularly, most people are always going to be able to complete these types of events. It's actually the pounding on pavement. That's the limiting factor. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's my concern is more, you know, is your body actually ready for that? So if you've been an athlete for years, just not a runner, you might actually be better equipped to take on the longer distance than somebody who hasn't been. So that's a good point. Yeah. So then that leads into, you know, what's your advice for someone who is going to step up to a major goal race like Dimity did this year with the, you know, going up to an Ironman or they say there's a mother runner who's thinking about doing an ultra in 2014, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, you know, what advice do you give that person? First and foremost, um, with any of those big goals, it's just, you know, mapping out the time allocation because I, you know, Dimity would contest to this is that. Um, it's more like finding the time because those long events, it's, it's truly just preparing your body for being out there for a long time. I mean, you just can't fake those long events. You can't, you know, 5k, 10k, phone them in. Yeah. Yeah, You just can't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you have to prepare the body for exercising for a really long period of time. So, um, my biggest advice is making sure before you jump in, like, do you have the time? Do you have the time Mm -hmm. to allocate to something that's that long? I gave myself, or we gave myself, you know, eight months you know, from, from starting to train until, until Ironman day. And that, you know, and that factored in for some injuries, which happened, you know, and right. some downtime, which I needed. Um, I mean, if someone's coming into an ultra situation, I mean, how much time would someone who's going beyond the marathon distance for the first time need, even if they are a seasoned runner? You know, ultra just, I mean, I'm not as big of a expert on ultra distance running. It's kind of a foreign, it's, I mean, it's, it's a tough one because, there's just so much pounding that your body's taking. And, um, you know, you can't like triathlon, you know, for Ironman, like, you know, I mean, you can, the training for it is so different because you, you can actually go out and bike for six hours on a regular basis. And it's not actually damaging the body in the same way that you would damage it with six hours of running and things like that. Um, 
you know, I mean, there's still a lot, I think people are learning about ultra running in terms of what you can do. I mean, I've read some interesting training philosophies of different ultra runners and how they actually put in their time. I mean, some of them will just run one really long run a week, you know, and the rest of the day is they're actually recovering. Um, so that said, well, that's easy. And you know, I just to <laughs> dedicate one day to running, you know? Um, so, I mean, I apologize, but that one's a, that one's a tough one. Sure. No, no, no. I'd rather have you say you don't know that. Yeah. It's just a lot. I mean, there's a lot of pounding that the body's taking. Now, most of those ultra races are our trail races. So that said, there's a difference too, in terms of the training you're doing. And, um, I think, you know, most of the, uh, ultra trail runners probably do a lot of other things, you know, cross training wise to prepare. That's actually really good, you know, so strength training and, and probably cycling and mountain biking and things like that to just strengthen the, the body, the ligaments and the muscles for, that type of an event. But, um, I definitely think it's still something that you have to allocate the time to. And then, and also I, I would test the waters with some of the moderate ultra races before you start to bump up to see, you know, how does my body handle just pounding for that long? So maybe not a hundred miler right out of the gate. No, exactly. I mean, that's a huge, I mean, it really, and look, yeah, it's just, that's a long time to be pounding the body. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> um, but again, it's on trails. So maybe it's, you know, I, I'm just not as much of an expert on those super long running races. They seem almost just kind of crazy, but, um, yeah, <laughs> even though are, I mean, Iron Man doesn't actually seem that crazy to me, um, comparatively. <laughs> so <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, and the thing with the altar too, is, I mean, like you said, it's a lot of, it's, sometimes it's not even the pounding because I mean, the ones that I've seen, it's a lot of like power hiking or, right. you know, climbing. if you're climbing uphill, you're hiking, but you're right. still on your feet for, yeah. you know, eight hours yeah. or 10 hours or whatever moving, right. you know, and that's, that, that, that is just hard mentally and physically, I think. So you, so you talked a little bit about performing at your best, but we've got, Sarah and I have got a, a big double duty coming up this winter. We're going to run the Tinkerbell Half Marathon in mid-January and then the Princess Half Marathon in mid-February. And um, and it's that little lull between races that gets us and gets a lot of our um, women because it's like, do you stay on a training plan? Do you keep up your mileage? Like, what would you do if you were us? We've got five weeks between those two half marathons. Right. And um, we're not, let it be said, we're running them. We're not racing them. Okay. So is your question for people who want to race them or just who are running them to. Who are just running. Right. Yeah. Who are there to have fun. I mean, we're going to, you know, um, put in a good effort, but we're not going to bust a move. Right. Right. You know, when you, when you have half marathon and, and you both are, you know, seasoned runners have done lots of long dis- distance events for someone like you. Um, and if you're, you know, any of the mother runners who do the, the longer races, um, actually in between, I would keep more in terms of like the sharpening type stuff and just keep your body feeling fresh versus piling, piling on more and more miles. Um, you know, obviously your body's been, you know, training is accumulation over time. It's not, uh, and you know, Jimmy, you can, you can attest to this. It's not what you did last week. It's what you did months ago that, that matters come race day. So, um, and it's the accumulated stress over time that allows you to succeed in those long races come race day. Um, so when you're in between those longer races, getting in some epic long run, isn't going to make the, or break the race. It's going to be making sure that your body's feeling fresh and first that you've recovered from the first one, but that you're fresh and kind of peppy for the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, keeping your long runs at, at more that moderate level, I mean, you can certainly do one more kind of moderate long run that does not actually have to be anywhere close to the half marathon distance. So I would actually recommend something more in like that nine, 10 mile range of just doing one in between just to keep your body and your mind kind of in the mindset of doing that longer effort. But then after that, you know, beyond that, um, keeping the runs a little bit more moderate and, and spicing them up with with some tempos and some some shorter intervals to kind of just keep the body fresh because you're already there in terms of the, the length of the distance and it's wanting to show up and not feeling super sluggish come race day. And I think most people get stuck in that rut of like, oh, I have to get a long run in or I have to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not really necessary, particularly for an athlete like like both of you who have been doing long races for a really long time. Um, you know, if it's somebody who's new to this, even for them, um, you don't want to overtax the body with a bunch of long runs either. So, you know, I would always in that kind of scenario err on, on some shorter ish runs, you know, more in that seven to nine mile range where you're putting in some nice little pickup type efforts versus having to go out for 10 to 15 miles when you really don't need to do that. It's funny. You, you mentioned the pickups cause I was yeah. just about to say <laughs> this whole peppy thing. Like, my my one uh, bit of grief, and it's not even because I know it serves a purpose, but 
there is always in your runs, there's always like these little pickups, like every mile, just (laughs) pick it up for, you know, concentrate on cadence for a minute or, you know, try just to go a little bit faster for 30 seconds or whatever. And that's, they're the bane of my existence, (laughs) you know, because you can't go on autopilot at all. You got to be like, okay. And I, and and you're a little winded after you do them, you know, so then you, you know, you're like, we're going to just practice like passing somebody. I'm like, I think you've forgotten who you're coaching. I don't pass people <laughs> in a running race, you know, like, or, you know, you want to, you want to go around the aid station and get past those people. I'm like, no, I'm stopping at the aid station. <laughs> it's just like, it's so funny. You're, you're all about, and, that, and it didn't make a huge difference. I got to say, I mean, that is, you know, the, the workouts that you always gave me, you know, always had some element in it that kept my mind that made me focus, which, um, isn't always the case on a long run. A lot of times you can just zone out and just be. And, um, so anyway, but, but I like the real life that, that breed just doesn't say, you know, Oh, it's, it's to just go faster for, for a couple of seconds. You know, it's, Oh, you know, I like the envisioning passing someone or kind of speeding around the aid station. I like that, that, that gives me a visual I can work with. There you go. Um, so that kind of harkens to Dimity's time um, becoming an Iron Mother. So I want you to share some anecdotes, you know, kind of behind the scene anecdotes that maybe Dimity didn't share on the on the blog with us. How about that? We and we go out with that. That's, that sounds great. See, Dimity, you couldn't get away from it, could you? Exactly. exactly. I saw that question. I'm like, oh, we're not going to have time for that. <laughs> um. But actually, I'll, I'll say to the point of the little pickups really quickly, they, they are such a great thing to do. And um, I think the biggest problem most I see most runners is they totally get into these junk runs and junk miles and they forget, you know, at come race day, you need to be able to react to different things. You know, the the person who, you know, passes you really quickly or that you need to pass or all, you know, all those types of things. And I mean, I remember reading something, this is probably a couple of years ago, that Shlaine Flanagan, like every single run when she's done, she would do some strides. And, you know, the point was mm-hmm. like, just even if it's an easy run that you didn't let your body get into this complete funk, you know, cause the stride isn't going to actually like kill your legs. It's not, that's not what's going to happen, but you're actually teaching your body how to respond. And, and that's a really important come race day because anything can happen. And the more times that you can simulate scenarios of what might happen come race day, the better prepared you are come race day. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely a reason, but anyway. Yeah. So hold on, hold on before we go on, um, just define a strides for someone who doesn't know. Um, it's a, you know, so funny whenever I start coaching somebody for the first time, um, that for whatever reasons, you know, stride sounds like confusing. And it's, you know, when I first started coaching, I always thought, who doesn't know what a stride is, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but that's cause you know, it's like, Oh, I've been running my entire life, you know? Okay. Duh. Some people don't actually know what that, <laughs> what that <laughs> right. is. Um, but a stride basically is where you're just taking your, and it, it can have a varying level of actual speed, but it's actually just picking up the turnover and, and getting your, your body out of the pace that it currently is in. So, I mean, that could be literally on the track, just doing some, you know, you see athletes before a race doing those little pickups along the start line or along the back end of the track. They're just kind of striding out, opening up their legs a little bit, turning them over, um, and just kind of building to potentially race or sub race pace. Um, and so like in a run, a stride can be just, you know, picking up the pace, anywhere from, you know, a minute or so per mile faster than what you're running for a short period of time or picking a landmark that you're just going to kind of pick up the pace to until you get to it. Um, but it's really just trying to get your body out of that pace rut. And it's, it's not anything scientific per se. I mean, I've had athletes like, well, how fast is it? Well, it's not really, you don't have to look at your garment and say, Oh, okay, I have to do a stride at six minute pace. I mean, that's not really what it is. It's just turning over the legs and getting yourself into that groove of, of going faster than what you're going at currently. So Mm-hmm. You, and you can often do them at the end of the run. They don't have to be yeah. in a run, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I love at the end of the run just saying, hey, do like six to eight approximate hundred meter strides where you just kind of build. And there's lots of different ways to do strides too. You could do a building stride where you start slow and go to kind of a, a, a somewhat maximum, you know, turnover, or you could do a pyramid or um, a kind of a pyramid type stride that where you build at the middle part of the distance and then you ease off to the end. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, like if you're on the track and you're doing hundred meter, you build to the 50 meter mark and then you start to kind of gradually ease off. So there's, you can also do strides where you do a quick start, but then you ease off. So it's just, again, teaching the body different stimulus, which I just think is really important. You almost make them sound fun. They are fun. <laughs> I can attest. I can attest. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Bree, so, so share, share those, those dirt, the, the, what we didn't see on the page stories. Oh gosh. Well, I, I know that 
like or even race day because you were there you and and Dimity's husband were the spectators who yeah. knew her yeah you know one of the the funniest things about um and this is iron man in general and what i love and and Dimity, um it just it just shows you know obviously the you know, what goes into an Ironman is, you know, come race day, people, I think sometimes don't realize what they're doing or saying. And so like Dimity, the first time we saw her, she's coming on the, on the run. Um, she's got her little sandwich baggie, you know, <laughs> with her sandwich and, and she comes up and she's like, she's yelling to me. She hasn't gotten to me. She's like, when I get to you, I'm going to walk. <laughs> you know? Okay. You know? <laughs> I was just making that clear. So you didn't think that I was just like slacking off. Right. right. Yeah. I'm going to talk to you, you know, <laughs> you know it's like kind of in this delirium of, of when you're racing. And I, I think some of the funniest things people say, it's kind of, you know, what you, maybe when somebody, you know, comes out of surgery kind of thing where you're just, you're in a different state because you've been pushing yourself for such a long time you're most likely calorie deficient it's nearly impossible to keep up with the calorie requirement mm-hmm. that day and so you just kind of hear people say the funniest things you know when they're <laughs> by so <laughs> that's like when we first saw Dimity. <laughs> yeah yeah well and I remember too I mean when I came around you know I did that 13.1 and I came back and saw you guys again and I was walking and I got you know and I, I remember coming up to you and and it was really the first time I got teary on the whole Ironman and I said you know, I said, Brie, you're not going to like it when I download my Garmin and you see my stats. I haven't been doing what we talked about. And, and, and um, you know, because I hadn't been doing the four one walk pattern. It was just, it, I just couldn't, I couldn't get there. And, um, and, uh, and you were like, no, no, no. And, and um, you're fine. You're fine. You're doing great. And you and Grant were very optimistic and very cheery. And I was grateful for that. And I ran away. Um, and then you, um, and you shot down, you know, at your blistering pace, probably what, like a half mile down the road or a quarter of a mile. And you were like, and you, and you stopped because you wanted to see me again. And you were like, no, Dibby, you are doing so well. And you, you know, just keep going and your splits are even and, you know, you're, you're hanging in there. And, you, and I was so grateful for you to come, come back again, you know, and, 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 and you said, I think you and Granite said, like, it's all in my head because I, when I ran away from you the first time I stopped, you were like, she's fine. Like her stride isn't compromised. She has decently good posture, you know, and I, and I was more or less fine. You know, it was just more that I just needed to just like vent and bitch for a second and just be a little, a little sad that I wasn't doing the exact that it wasn't all going how I wanted it to go, which I mean, it, it went, it was a great, great day, but I, you know, I wasn't able to execute that four one the way that we had practiced. And, yeah. um, so that was a little disappointing, but well, you know, um, that's the amazing thing about Ironman too, is that, you know, cause Grant and I were talking, I mean, looking at your splits, you know, as they come through and I mean, you were holding such steady pacing. Yeah, I mean, it was, I remember that. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. It was fantastic. And when you're racing though, an Ironman, it's such a draining day. Like you, you're almost, you're just not quite being, um, logical because if you, if you'd actually sat down and thought about, I mean, you really just thought about it like, Oh wait, I'm doing really well. You know, I just, I just had this wicked fast swim. I biked amazing and I'm actually going pretty darn fast on the run. You know, I mean, if you could actually logically think about it for a second, but you're doing an Ironman and there's so much emotion in it. And so it happens, I think to almost every Ironman athlete that when something isn't quite going exactly to the perfect, you know, plan that they all of a sudden are like, Oh my gosh, this isn't right. You know, I, what's, what's going wrong? Really? I mean, you were doing absolutely amazing, you know? And so that's where I think, yeah, when you're on the course, just having that I know how important it is just to have somebody tell you like, no, no, you are doing great. And you have to kind of yeah. tell yourself that too. I think any athlete in a long race, you have to, um, when you have those little lows, because if it's a long race, you're going to have them. I mean, most, I mean, I, I think I read Miranda Carfrey say this year that she didn't have a low point this year at Ironman. Well, that's like rare. I and mean, she said, that's so rare. Cause it is, it's, it's not normal to not have these low points and it's how do we get through them and, and know that in the whole scheme of this day, that's taking a long time that it's a, a blip, you know, it's a blip in the day. Um, you know, so, but it's hard to be realistic with yourself when you're in the midst of it and it's, and you're hungry and your feet hurt and, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure that there were some moments where you were like, oh, okay, come on, Dimity, get it together during training. But I mean, overall, like you were just so responsive to my needs. And, you know, I remember calling you at one point. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm standing in my office right now and I remember I'm looking at the chair that I was sitting in and I was, it was a Monday morning. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, I just have to go back to bed. I can't even, I can't even keep my eyes open. You know, I can't concentrate. I have no interest in doing anything. And, um, 
can't remember. I probably just emailed you and I said, I, we've got to, you know, scale back this week because it was going to be a big week. And you were like, absolutely fine. And I, you know, and you took out, I think a run after a swim and a couple other things that made the week feel much, much more doable. And, um, and I guess that's, I mean, I, I really, uh, respect that you listen to me, obviously. I mean, you, you, you know, I'm a client, so you better listen to me, but, <laughs> but um, no, but I mean also that, that, you know, you, we had the same philosophy going in and that I wanted to be injury free. I wanted to, you know, more or less enjoy everything. And also that, you know, it was better for me that, that all the stress and stuff that you just talked about, you know, your life stress. I mean, you very much understood that, you know, I'm part of a small business. I've got two fairly small children. I'm in a marriage. I've got a dog, you know, I've got all these other things that weigh on me and, and need me. And, um, and that you made the Ironman very doable. And, and I'm very appreciative of that. Thanks to me. You know, it was a joy to coach you. And, um, I think that's actually, you know, when, when anybody's looking you know, to do an event and they're looking to work with a coach, I mean, coaching is kind of a relationship too. It's about, you know, a relationship with somebody. I mean, there's, definitely parts of coaching in my mind that aren't rocket science, you know, in terms of, you know, just making sure people get in, um, certain amounts of whatever it is that they need to, to complete an event. Um, but there's definitely like a relationship aspect. And, and I also think too, um, one of my favorite coaches used to always say, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat, Brianna. And it's so true that, you know, there's more than one way to get from point A to point B. And so knowing that, um, you know, that, just because there are, I mean, there are going to be bumps in the road. So just because there's a bump in the road doesn't mean that there's not another way to get there. Um, and that you can always be creative. You can always be creative and get to where you need to be. And it's about making sure that you listen to those things because if you don't, that's when you run into problems, when you feel like you have to do a certain thing or you're not, you're not making sure that you make time for all the little things that you need to make time for. Um, cause everything's doable. It's just trying to find that, you know, that formula. Awesome. Well, let's end, let's end on that. I agree. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Thank you so much, Brianna, for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I loved hearing Brianna talk. She's just, I got to know her a tiny bit through your training and she just is such a lovely person and has such a deep regard and respect for you, Dimity. So that was really nice to hear that at the end and um, look back a little on your Iron Mother journey. So um, I hope that was helpful. The advice she gave for planning the race calendar, I know it got me thinking about what might be on my 2014 docket. Ultra Mother Runner. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Now that I, I, now that I've rediscovered some of my my old quote unquote speed, I don't know. I think Ultra might get pushed another year back. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, yeah, mm-hmm. did you see? I was kind of fishing around for you. I'm like, how long would one need to? Oh yeah, yeah. For that? How long Just would say. say? How long would someone say be away from their computer and not able to reply to my emails? That's what you're asking. <laughs> no, no. I was asking. I was asking for your planning purposes. Oh, oh, I know. I know you were. I know you always got my back there, Dim. <laughs> so, um, so check us out out on facebook we are at run like a mother the book our website is anothermotherrunner.com on twitter and instagram we're at the mother runner our books run like a mother and train like a mother can help you get to those 2014 race goals they're available on amazon as well as our own site and wherever you head out in the new year many happy miles happy miles